Have you ever had a question for a game warden but were afraid to ask? Join us today as the singing game warden, Ben Chaplow, tells us about grouse hunting, bear safety, and what it's like to patrol the backcountry. Hi, and welcome to the FECC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We are coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of my favorite mountain range, the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Well, today we welcome Ben Chapelo to the Nature Journal. Ben, thanks a lot for coming on the show. And I understand we have Cora, your daughter, is going to do Cora's Corner at the end of the show. But we'd like to hear a little bit of backcountry music that you're known for. Ben Chapelo, singing okay. Game Warden. Came about the time the white moon rose. I heard a sound that nearly froze my toes. It was a big old brown bear, a grizzly bear, old grizz. We're going to be talking about bears today. It's going to be a lot of fun. But today we're going to put you on the spot a little bit and ask you some questions we often hear about hunting and safety this time of year in the mountains. So one of the earliest seasons that's underway now is our mountain grouse season. And we have locally, we have three species, the rough, the Franklin, and the blue grouse. So now when you're out patrolling, what do you see people hunt mostly? Or what, what are they doing with the mountain grouse? How are they hunting them? And what species do you think they're mostly pursuing? First of all, I want to bring up, you said if you're afraid to ask the game warden a question, like that's all that people ever do. <laughs> They'll follow you around town until you stop so they can ask you a question. So not many people are afraid. But, but see, the, the, reason, <laughs> the reason they are asking you a question is because you're so friendly and accessible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, it kind of brings up a good point because I think there's this misconception in Montana that it's legal to shoot grouse from the road. <laughs> I, I would almost say that a high percentage of grouse are shot from the road and from the vehicle. We have had people shoot them out of season. One year, we had some kids up Pinkham Creek in Eureka that, that would take grouse and shove them in people's mailboxes, which is a waste of game, oh. to, uh, not ethical at all, but actually made a, giving away my secret here, made a, took one of the dead grouse and made a grouse decoy out of it, filled it up with spray foam. And oh, really? It looked pretty hokey, it was right up on it, but from 30 <laughs> yards out, it looked pretty decent, but. Oh, that's uh, yeah, funny. just a reminder, you, you can't shoot grouse even from the vehicle or in the middle of the road. That's probably the easiest way to see them. But you do have to get out of the truck and walk. And a lot of people do that. I shouldn't say that most people do that. But uh, it is a pretty common violation as people shooting grouse in the middle of the roadway. And then means of take is something that people don't generally understand very well. If you see a Franklin grouse, you know, they're really fairly tame. And they're walking along. You can't just hit it over the head with a stick or hit it with a rock, can you? Uh, you know, everybody's seen that movie, Jeremiah Johnson, where the girl hits it with the rock, but that is illegal in Montana. You do have to shoot them with either a shotgun or a rifle. Or a bow and arrow. But, or, yeah, a bow, judo point or something like that. But the, uh, the licenses for grouse hunting are very reasonable. You know, you get your base hunting license and conservation, that's $18. And then for another seven fifty, you can hunt those three species of grouse and any other upland bird all season long. So that's, that's pretty neat. And... You know, they're very good eating, too. They're great-tasting grouse. And I like blue grouse, personally, myself, the best. 
But with blue grouse, Franklin grouse will kind of walk right along the trail, like in front of you. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of you know tough to shoot one of them because they're so trusting. The blue grouse will fly up, you know, and they can be a little harder to get. The rough grouse are tough though, aren't they? Yes, that's probably the most common species I see hunted around here. I think just because they're so, I don't know if there's more of them, but that's yeah. generally what you see is rough grouse. My favorite thing to do is just hike an old logging road with a shotgun, and they're pretty easy to get that way. And, you know, just remember that means of take. You need, the best way to hunt a grouse is a shotgun because you're going to get the quickest, cleanest kill. I noticed, though, in the regulations, now that there's a type of pellet gun you can hunt grouse with, if you read that thoroughly, and it's, I wouldn't even advise people to do it, but... We're not going to tell you how to do it. If you want to really look at it, you can look at it in the Upland Bird regulations. Yeah, pellet guns are pretty lethal anymore. There's some that can kill deer. And we've had people try to scare deer out of their gardens with pellet guns, and the, it kills the deer. Is that right? Uh, and they, they'll call themselves in. But yeah, just you got to remember your target and beyond, but also know what kind of weapon you're using and what, what it's capable of. And it's specific in that in the regulations. It has to be a certain, you know, like 177 caliber. It has to have a certain number of feet per second so i would not i would not advise doing it but if you're gonna to have to consult that and figure it out so so that's grouse hunting and that's that's underway now we're talking about bear safety a little bit and how to hunt safely in bear country but before we do that let's talk about one of your patrols or a couple of your patrols you've done lately on uh, or in the last couple of years on on bears you, you get a lot of exciting patrols you do in the back country. yeah so that last summer our average normal bull trout angler patrols in the summertime, checking rafts, bull trout, and uh, uh, we'd been getting these calls about a, a bear in camp. Down at Salmon Forks, it's a popular area, a lot of campers there, but normally we get calls about bears in camp, and it's like, okay, you're the Bob Marshall, you're going to see bears. But this was unique because people were saying we couldn't get this thing to leave, we've sprayed it with bear spray. The decision was made between the bear managers and the game wardens that this was a bear that needed to be euthanized. So they sent me into the, I was actually already in the backcountry. They in, they texted me on the inreach and said, go here and take care of this issue. The goal was simple is to just hang out and camp and see if there's a bear that shows up and causes a problem. So I, I hung out all day and I was actually kind of perturbed that I had to deal with this situation because it's not fun to do. Right. It's, it's not a hunt per se, but then and I had other plans, but then you, you kind of kick yourself. I'm like, who else gets paid to hunt black bears in <laughs> August in the Bob Marshall Wilderness? People pay big money to come do that. So so anyway, I, I sat there and all day I, I forgot I, I had to clean up this camp and I got all the attractants cleaned up and then hung them. I'd forgotten they'd said they'd had to bear spray it. Oh, they already so bear sprayed it. I'd, I'd actually forgotten my bear spray on this trip. I'm like, I had all the trips to forget your bear oh, spray on. No. So I found some of their bear spray in camp, and I'd forgotten they said they'd already sprayed the bear. So at some point, I must have had it on my hands because <laughs> it just shot up into my nostrils. It wasn't too bad. But anyway, evening comes in, a bear shows up. I end up having to shoot it, thinking the job's done, go back I end up camping with some Forest Service folks and our plan was to ride to Big Prey the next day. And I think, think I wrote in the journal about in the cabin about what had happened and we're riding out the next day and I see this camp and it's trashed again. Actually, it's a different camp, but one of the two I'd been checking and I was like, man, I don't remember those panniers. They had bear-proof coolers. And right about then I see a bear's head pop up. So I end up having to, we had to be shooting another bear. And it was end up two bears that were doing this back there. So the bear had actually gotten into a bear-proof cooler. Whoa. 
And I guess the key word is not bear proof, it's bear resistant. Right, right. <laughs> the that company they, wouldn't replace the cooler. I, they I, do call it that, bear resistant. It's like, you ought to call the company and say a bear got into this, but they wouldn't replace it. I won't name the company. But, um, <laughs> dealing with that bear, and then I, I decided to change my patrol up a little bit. I went down south a couple miles, and I find this camp, and there's a raft in it that's deflated. There's trash everywhere, and nobody around. So we end up radioing out, finding out who I, I found a name on a cooler. Because we were concerned, like, there's no people here and there's a camp that a bear's obviously been in. We end up finding the folks. They had done a side hike, spent a couple days hiking up a drainage, a little salmon drainage, and came down. And then while they were gone, they would actually did a pretty good bear hang within the rules. And uh, that this bear had figured out how to get bear bags down, was untying the rope. And it actually had stood on their raft to get to these ropes and popped, the bear had popped their raft. <laughs> so the guy's like, well, no big deal. I've got a patch kit. So they go to get their patch kit, and the bear had gotten into the patch kit and ate the glue. <laughs> so they, uh, fortunately, there's a lot of people back there, so we were able to find another camp, and they were able to get it patched up. And I, that's the last I'd heard of them, but they made it out, apparently. So you never know what you're going to have to do back there. Right. But uh, as far as bear hang, we, we do recommend 10 feet up, 4 feet out from a tree. A lot, I see a lot of people hanging 10 feet up, but it's on the tree and like well that doesn't really make any difference because the bear's just going to climb up and get that yeah one of the biggest probably the biggest threat out there dangerous situations is bears on carcasses every year we have to the forest service actually blows up horses that die on the trail because they they can't move them they're so heavy so it's not dynamite i can't remember what explosive like a rope cord explosive yeah it's some sort of i can't remember what they they named it but uh it works pretty well. Actually, just last week, myself and a, the bear managers here in the Flathead Valley, we got a report that there's a dead moose in Strawberry Lake in the Forest Service. Oh, really? We're looking at closing the trail, and because that's a, that's a huge attractant, and it can be dangerous. Uh, yeah. Bear protecting the carcass is one of the most dangerous things. But Forest Service had asked us if we could remove that attractant, which it took me about two seconds to say, "Can you remove that attractant?" But what people <laughs> don't realize when they say that, that could be days of work, right? Right. It took us all day. We we ended up hiking up and taking some horses, too, and uh, got some tools. It ended up being a dead elk, and then hmm. we came out and uh, were able to get it quartered up. I actually got the horses to drag a little bit of it, the bigger parts, and got it off out of the lake. But The things you get to do, young man. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we're going to move into yeah. uh, Cora's Corner here. Cora, if you want to come over. Your dad here. And you guys recently went on a raft trip. It's still a little bit of time for rafting yet here in the in the early fall. So tell us a bit about what you found when you went on that raft trip, Cora. A beaver. A beaver? Uh, what, what did it do? Uh, it was eating logs. <laughs> I understand also that you had a little issue with your fishing pole. I dropped it. You dropped it. And what happened to it? Well, in the water. <laughs> Did you get it back? No. No. Well, there's a good, uh, a good kids' now. fishing oh, pole you? out in the Flathead River right now if you find it. <laughs> so. Well, Cora, thanks a lot for coming on. And, it's a and, frozen one. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. And uh, all the kids out there are going to be careful now that they don't lose their rod, I bet. So, Ben, do you want to play a little more? Yeah, sure. Well, Ben, thanks a lot for coming on. And that's all the time we have for this episode of the FBCC Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time. Take it away, Ben. It was a fine time dreaming of the Texas sun.